I love this Sunday. This is one of my favorite Sundays of the year where we get to talk about God's calling for us as an individual church to be part of his call to spread the message of Jesus to the nations. So later on, Troy's up here. We're going to kind of talk through the passage together today. And also later on, Troy will talk us through where we're going. I'm excited to talk about how you can be involved. Yeah, so so this is going to be good. Now we're talking about this year for our theme. You can see it on our shirts and, and up here on the screen. We're talking about ambassadors, and in a little while we'll get to the verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that that gives us that title for this year's theme. But what we wanted to do first is we thought we're going to do a little participation. We want to get our minds around the whole idea of ambassadors, so Troy has put together a little quiz for us, and we're going to see who survives until the end of the quiz. So here's how it'll work. Again, a little bit of participation. In in a minute, we're going to have you all stand. We'll read off the question. It'll be multiple choice. Then we'll count to three and have everybody call out your answer. Just kind of, you know, honor system. You're in church, so we're going to believe that you're not going to lie. And then if you get it right, you, you continue standing. If you get it wrong, you sit down and we'll see who's standing at the end of the time. So, all right. Everybody ready for this? All right. Ready or not, go ahead and stand up. Okay. Let's do this, and Troy, Troy will take us through question number one here. Okay, don't, don't call out the answer yet. What you, child, you'll give it away for other people if you do. Wait yeah, on the that's answer. that's right. What child movie star served as a U.S. ambassador? Was it A, Macaulay Culkin, Mickey Rooney, Shirley Temple, or Judy Garland? Okay, well, it was Shirley Temple. All right, wow. good. A lot of you got it. You didn't get it. You can sit down. Don't be embarrassed if you sat down, even though you're kind of obvious because most people are still standing. It's okay. All right. We're going to thin out the herd with this next one. I I didn't get this one when Troy showed it. All right. Which of these countries allows United States ambassadors? In other words, we're only allowed in one of these countries with ambassadors. So we got Iraq, Venezuela, Cuba, and Bhutan. Now, wait. I'm going to count to three. When I say three, call out which letter? One, two, three. C. All right, I heard a variety here. Let's go ahead. Anybody who guessed C? Sorry. Ah. There we go. Ah. All right, the cream of the crop still standing. Well done. Little, little trivia, Venezuela, uh, they recently just kicked out any dignitaries we had. So that's a new event. So. Yeah, Venezuela, yeah. we've had some issues recently. <laughs> oh, hey, next one. <laughs> well, you got another question. I know, right? <laughs> Which United States president served as an ambassador? Was it Daryl Ford, Andrew Jackson, Thomas Jefferson, or Jimmy Carter? Okay, so... Those that are standing, call it out. One, two, three, go. Okay, let's see. Yeah. Look at this. All right. We we have really thinned it out. We do. We've got the few left. Let's see. Let's see who survives question number four. All right. Now you got to really know your stuff or just be a good guesser. Who is the United States ambassador to the United Kingdom? Nikki Haley, Robert Johnson, Bono, Karen Pierce. 
So on the count of three, call out your letter. One, two, three. C. C. Are you serious? <laughs> He's Irish. He's not an American citizen. Is <laughs> <laughs> Robert Johnson. Uh. <laughs> All right. So here's, so here's the deal. Congratulations oh. to those of you who still are standing. 50 cent donuts for you guys afterwards. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for indulging in that. And again, kind of just the purpose of that is to get our minds. We, we really want to take in this whole idea that we find in the book of 2 Corinthians that those of us who are believers in Jesus are ambassadors for Christ. And I'll, I'll put up the key verse not only for this morning, but for Go Teams also. In a little while, in fact, if you have an open Bible, you can up, open up the 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and throughout the morning, Troy and I are going to talk through verses 16 through 21. But we'll, we'll kind of reach here. Eventually, we'll reach verse 20, where the Apostle Paul writes, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And, and at least, just, just to get started, a little bit that we know about ambassadors, ambassadors are sent. So the idea that we're ambassadors has to do with the idea that every single one of us, not just foreign missionaries, but every single one of us is part of a group that is sent. And also, it means that if we're ambassadors, we represent both the message and the priorities of the one who sent us. And what Troy and I want to talk through in the, in the passage today, we, we want to answer this question. What will keep us from being effective ambassadors for Christ? If we really want to embrace this calling and say, this is who God has called us to be in the world, what are the things that will get in the way? And as we walk through 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21, we'll see three things that really get in the way. And I'll, I'll tell you them now, and we'll walk through them one by one. The three things that will keep us from being effective ambassadors in this passage are if we are distracted, if we are ignorant, or if we are fearful. And Troy, I'm going to turn to you just kind of to introduce this first concept. We're in a very distracted culture. How would distraction keep an ambassador from being effective? Yeah, I mean, you think of an ambassador that goes to a particular country, say France. You have a U.S. ambassador in France, but spends all of his or her time going to the best restaurants, sampling the souffles and the creme brulee, and, you know, traveling along the coast and, you know, checking out different um, spots where, you know, go to the wineries and sipping some wine, going to the museums and going to the Palace of Versailles, and doesn't really have time for the dignitaries of France to even meet with them or understand where they're coming from wouldn't be a very effective ambassador. Like, you have a job to do. You, you need to get busy with that. You're here for a purpose and for a reason. Yeah, and part of that is just, maybe the key word to all that is the idea of urgency. Mm -hmm. There's urgency to the calling of an ambassador. All those other things are fine, eating the foods, visiting the museums, but there is an urgent task, and that's what we get introduced to in this passage. Um, so again, we'll, we'll build towards verse 20, but we get this running start starting in verse 16. Paul writes, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. We no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view. Now, the, the striking thing about this is that if we pause, we'll realize we constantly are regarding and categorizing people 
from a worldly point of view. It's just sort of automatic to us. We, we look at somebody and we say, oh, they, they probably have a lot of money or they don't have very much money. Or they're married or that person's single or that person's tall or that person's short. That there's all kinds of ways that we categorize people. And to some extent, that, that's not wrong. But those different things that I just named, none of those are the central reality of any person here on earth. The central reality is not a person's marital status or their paycheck, or their race, or their gender, or any of those things. The central reality is where they stand with Jesus Christ. The central reality is a question of heaven and hell, of being united to God or being estranged from Him. And so what Paul says right off is, you know, when when we're looking at the world, it's not that we don't notice those other distinctions, but that's not how we're looking at people. We are looking at people and saying, that is a person who desperately needs to be reconciled to God. And then in verse 17, he, he gives us sort of the how. How does this happen? How does a person enter into that? And he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And when we get to verses 18 and 19, we're going to talk a little bit about the specifics of the message we're entrusted with. But just right here, we get a little bit of a clue of the stakes involved in this. There is a way to be made new. And just as a preview, that way to be made new is not by having a job change or by getting in shape or by getting more money or by following some rules. The way we are made new is if we are in Christ. It is the way, it is the only way that we are made new. That we now have the Holy Spirit living inside of us because of what Jesus has done for us. We now have our sins forgiven. We're now adopted into the family and we now have the hope of heaven instead of just striving for whatever we can get here on this earth. Um, And and Troy and I are going to talk through kind of the practicalities of this, but, but let me just throw out to you the thing that strikes me most about how this impacts us in the U.S., and maybe even more so in sort of our our Southern California area here. Um, It is possible that if we view people from a worldly point of view, um, we'll avoid people who aren't like us or make us uncomfortable. That does happen. We'll say, oh, that that person doesn't look like me, or they speak a different language, or they make me uncomfortable, or I, I don't know how to deal with them because they have sort of drug addictions and things like that. That is part of what would happen. But to me, the even bigger reality is that we can have the temptation to look at people in our lives and say, you know what, they got plenty of money, the kids seem to be doing fine, they have a stable family life, do they really need me to come talk to them? And every time we think of that, we are viewing people from a worldly point of view. Because no matter how much money you have or how stable your family is or how easy your life is, we will all face judgment. The question of Jesus is still central. And so, Troy, to try to kind of bring this to life for us a little bit, um, how does this play out in how we look to be ambassadors in an undistracted way? Yeah, this brought to mind a man named Milt Road. And so he sold cars for years and years in Spokane, Washington. But then what you do after work is he would go and meet with juvenile delinquents. And that was his ministry. He would care for them. He would, he would pray for them. He would encourage them to get on the right track and witness to them. And he did this uh, on his off hours. He made radical impact. Well, one day he went to the hospital for exploratory surgery. They knew something was going on. And as they opened him up, they realized he was just full of cancer. 
So there really wasn't anything they could do. They, they sewed him back up, they sent him home, and a week later, he passed away. So at his memorial, uh, a lot of these, these uh, juvenile delinquents, these boys that had been uh, restored, in a lot of ways, they shared. And they're sharing the impact that he had made on, on their lives. But someone made a comment and said, you know, it's funny, no one ever asked how many cars he sold, right? Because that isn't what really mattered. And this makes me think, what are we gonna be known for? And he sold cars, but he did that as an opportunity or made it possible for him to be able to share with these, these kids and make a difference in their lives because he was about making a difference in people's lives. So you think of um, the disciples. The, the disciples were chosen by Jesus. Remember, he kind of went one by one. He's walking, walking along, he recruits them and they're out there on the boat. And he calls out to them, follow me. And they drop their nets. Now, if you think about what that involves, I mean, that's all they knew. That's what was familiar to them. That was their comfort zone. Yeah, and not just as a hobby, but really as a trade. That was their profession. Right. That was their livelihood. Yeah, exactly. So they were giving up a lot. And they dropped the nets to follow Jesus on this unknown adventure, not even knowing exactly what's this gonna entail but they're willing to do it. And sometimes, Dan, I feel like I have rope burns because I tug a war with the Lord over letting go of my nets. Yeah. I have my security things I wanna hold on to, and am I willing to let go? Yeah, and, that, and it does underline the point for all of us that there is a cost to following mm. Jesus, that there, is, there, there are distractions and things, and sometimes those things are fine things. We're not even just talking about giving up the sinful things, but talking about the things that get in the way. Um, and you shared a great story that, that I loved about it. when Troy and I were in Kenya last year, we got to see some of the Maasai tribes people, and you shared a story about them that really thought, illustrated this idea. Yeah, so the Maasai are in several countries, and I know a missionary family that works with them in Tanzania. So he was saying that they really led this community as a whole to the Lord, and so many people come to know Christ, and they're growing in their relationship with the Lord, and they, one guy in particular felt this burden to go to another village. Like, okay, I need to share, I can't keep it to myself, I need to share this with the village over there. And so as he was getting ready to go, the big question was, what are you gonna do with your cows? What about your cows? Now to us, we might think that's kinda silly, but for Maasai, that was their life, that was their livelihood. And in fact, Maasai really view all cattle as belonging to them, and if you have some, it's because they let you borrow them. Yeah, they're just gonna be okay with that. Yeah. You have that cow for now, but we may come and claim it at some other point. Yeah, right. Yeah, so then you just think about, they have this new life, and then therefore, it's a new agenda. Yeah, and, and like you said, I mean, we, we could look at that and say, cows versus eternity, come on, get over it. <laughs> But, but how many of us are being held back from eternal impact because of things that are no more important than that? Mm -hmm. Things that are not even sinful, but that are distractions. Paul says, we don't view anyone from a worldly point of view any longer. We are undistracted. We have urgency about the calling that we have. If we're going to be effective ambassadors, we need to set aside distraction. And there's a second one that comes up in verses 18 and 19, and that's that we need, we need to combat ignorance. So again, kind of introduce this idea, how would ignorance thwart an ambassador? Well, you think of ambassador. Maybe the ambassador isn't clear on the message or even what the sender is about. You know, think of maybe Germany's ambassador to the United States, not knowing what economic policies they want to push, 
um, unclear on what the president, their president, actually wants the United States to even do, doesn't even know anyone in parliament, uh, really just hadn't done their homework. Well, they, they wouldn't be very effective if they didn't understand kind of even both sides of the equation, and didn't understand what their country wants him or her to do, and doesn't understand exactly how to relate to the, the other people, which would be, say, in this case, the United States. And so there need to be clarity here. Yeah, and, and when we think about this, the, the key thing here is saying, are we clear on the message? An ambassador comes with a message somebody else has given them. Are we clear on the message? And in verses 18 and 19, Paul really helps us get clear on the message. He zeroes in on the heart of the gospel. He says, all this is from God which this is referring back to verse 17 where he talked about the new creation in Christ. All of this, this newness, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And throughout verses 18 and 19, the, the idea of reconciled and reconciliation, it comes up four or five times. It's, it's clearly a central thing that Paul is wanting to communicate. That at the heart of our message is not, here's the new moral way to live. Here are the new rules to follow. Here are the new principles for a better life. At the core of our message is God and man can be reconciled. And sometimes we use the reconciliation term. It's, it has to do with uh, you got two parties that are at odds and they're brought into harmony. So if a married couple separates, we might then say, but then they reconciled. They brought back together after that. And the reconciliation that we get to be a part of is reconciliation between the God of the universe and mankind. And then we get a clue. Verse 19, he gets further into how this happens. He says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. If you're a believer in Jesus, here's how you entered into the family of God. God chose not to count your sins, which were very real, against you. Instead, he counted those sins against Jesus. And some of you have probably been in situations where you're, you're shooting for reconciliation, and usually it's sort of like, all right, you need to give a little, and you need to give a little, and you need to compromise a little, and you need to compromise a little, and then you, you come together here. Um, that is not the case with us and God. God doesn't need to give a little. God doesn't need to compromise. The fault is 100% us. We made ourselves into God's enemies. You even think of Jesus' most famous parable, the prodigal son. The problem was all with the son, but the father was longing for the reconciliation. And at the end of verse 19, he then adds, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. This is what we carry when we go on our go teams, when we go to our neighbors, when we talk to our coworkers. Our message to them is, you are estranged from God, there's a path to reconciliation, and the one and only path is through Jesus Christ. And I know that there's many ways this plays out, but as we were talking before, one of the ways this plays out is just even how we approach our go teams mm -hmm. and what our priorities are with them. Yeah, so our go teams global outreach teams. Uh, last year, we sent teams to um, particularly Honduras and Mexico, uh, El Salvador. So each one of those, we did a project. So in Honduras, we did these vacation Bible school camps, VBS camps for these kids. Uh, we were there helping them come alongside. Uh, we were there 
really kind of filling some of the day with, with great activity. In Mexico, we built some homes to go down there, take a whole crew of people and, and actually handed the keys off to some, some folks that had their homes destroyed the year before. We provided fresh water for people in El Salvador, but yet those were all vehicles to be able to send a message. Because by doing these things, we earn trust, it opens the door, it validates our message. And so it's not just a project in itself, it's really a springboard to do something else. Yeah, and you had talked about, you, you were part of the leadership for the Thailand team, yeah. and you guys had a very powerful opportunity to do this where you, were, where you were at a place to kind of do an act of service and an opportunity for the message opened up. Yes, so we went to this uh, particular community where as far as we know, there was no church, no pastor, no Christians. And so we were approved to go in and be able to do a medical outreach, which is what we set up. We set up one of the schools and we set up the tables and we have kind of a starting station and you ask them some questions, kind of move around. Well, you know, the governor basically said, you know, you can't share Christianity. You can't share about that. Uh, you can come and do, you know, a medical clinic, but that's it. And so once we were there, we really won the governor over. The governor was so impressed and so happy with us that the governor actually allowed us to do whatever we wanted to do. And so we started to add something to our lineup where everyone got a gospel bracelet. Each bead represents a different point of the gospel message. And then we had a couple people and pastors praying for them when they came around. They could be eight years old or they could be older. And so we had someone pray with each one. We believe about 20 people accepted Christ in this community that at that point, it's been, no one has heard the gospel. In fact, the medic was so happy that the missionary went back there and brought a Bible in his language. It was probably the first Bible in this whole community. And, and, it's, such, and it's such a beautiful thing even. And, and I know um, that most of you have seen the signs and in a couple months we're, we're going to be doing our community impact day where we go all over into the community and do these acts of service, which, which in a certain way are part of us being ambassadors. Because when we do those things, we're reflecting the deep love of God for other people. But even within that, the, the message or, or sort of the, our, our job as ambassadors is never complete until the message is out there. Because um, as you were sharing earlier, there, there's other groups that do yeah. humanitarian work. <laughs> yeah. We bring the gospel. Like a fraternity at one of the UCs, they could go build a home, right? But what message are they bringing, right? Well, we have a message. You know, we, are, we have the message of reconciliation, making to have peace. Yeah. All right, so, so this third one we're going to talk about. So we talked about, all right, we're, we're going to be held back from being ambassadors if we're distracted or if we're ignorant. Um, but this last one is maybe the one that gets us the most, that we're held back if we're fearful. So, yeah. Troy, paint us a picture of a fearful ambassador. Okay, I mean, you could imagine a U.S. ambassador, a representative to certain places could be a, a scary endeavor, right? I mean, think about representing our country to places like Syria or North Korea, Iran, Russia, China, it, it, would, it could be very intimidating. If you lack confidence in what you're supposed to be doing, talking about where our country stands in regard to maybe trade deals, military issues, boundaries, justice issues, you name it, uh, you gotta know what you're talking about and also be confident in it. And if you are super fearful or timid, it just wouldn't work. Um, I think about you know, being a, in one of the host countries if that country exerted some pressure on you would, you, would you back down? And I imagine that probably is the case for some of our ambassadors. They're, they're in tough places, uh, asked to, to 
um, really lay out a, probably a tough message. Yeah, and, and you, you mentioned a word earlier, the word confidence. So like, where does the confidence mm. come from that sustains us when there are very real things that, that we're not crazy for being afraid? What gives us the confidence? Yeah. And I love where Paul goes, where we're now to verse 20, kind of our theme verse, where he makes the great proclamation, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Where does our confidence come from when we're talking to our coworker and we start to think, well, my life's not all that together. Like, I, I still have sins that I fall into, and I still make mistakes, and I, I didn't come to this because I'm this brilliant person. Where does my confidence come from to be able to tell them what they should believe and what they should do? And if your confidence comes from yourself, that's going to be very fragile. Our confidence comes from our sender. Our confidence comes from the fact that it's not just us making an appeal. It is God making an appeal through us that God so loved the world that he says, I want all of them to be reconciled through Jesus. So go out and urge them, appeal to them passionately about the deep love of God towards them so that they can get the message. So whenever we're in a situation where we say, I, I don't know if I'm bold enough, I don't know if I'm good enough, I don't know if I know all the answers, that's not the main issue. The main issue is your sender, and our sender is God. And then to, to cap it all off, it seems like in some ways, verse 20, that should be it. Close the book. That's, that's just a great ending. But verse 21, Paul then gives an amazing summary of the gospel message. He says, God made him who had no sin, quick question, who's that? It's Jesus. God made Jesus, who knew no sin, who lived a sinless life. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Saying in the gospel of Jesus, a major switch happened. And the switch that happened was that Jesus ended up getting the punishment that we deserved. Jesus was treated as if he had committed every one of our sins. Jesus was punished where we should have been punished so that we could be rewarded where he deserved to be rewarded. We become, he doesn't even say we get, we become the righteousness of God. We are treated as if we were, our, were as righteous as Jesus was. Our great confidence in this message is that it's not specific to any person or any nation or any race or any time of life or any socioeconomic class or anything about your past. This is a message for all people in all circumstances about the fact that we can be reconciled to God because Jesus took the punishment that we deserved so that we could get the reward that he deserves. And when we take this in and where this confidence comes from, just share a little bit about a picture of how we can take on that confidence. Yeah, so as the story goes, the concert hall was packed. A few minutes before this great Polish composer and pianist is gonna come out and perform, a little boy escapes from his parents, gets out of his seat, sneaks his way up on the stage and sits at the piano and he starts playing chopsticks. And the ushers are all red-faced and wanting to get up there and, and pull him off. But yet, the composer and the pianist, he, he's aware of this and he quickly puts on his vest and his, his jacket and he goes out on the stage. And I'm sure people are thinking, is this, is this part of the act? Is this stage? Is this, you know, improm? And he goes up behind the little boy, he stretches out his hands around him 
and starts to play spontaneous accompaniment, and they have this amazing duo that takes place, and it goes in great applause. Everyone just thinks it's so amazing, but the whole time while he's playing behind this little boy, he's whispering, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. And I feel like for us, the Lord says, look, I'm with you in this. He's not just sending us out on our own, he's asking us to partner with him in his work. He cares about these people more than we do. Mm-hmm. He has a heart for them and he wants to use us. Yeah, and, and so whenever, and we inevitably, if we step out in risky faith, we will find ourselves in times where, whether the person spells it out or not, somebody's gonna look at us and say, who do you think you are? You don't belong here. And our great confidence comes from the fact that, as Troy was saying, God not only sent us, God is with us. And just as that pianist was whispering to that boy, God is whispering to us, you're exactly where you're meant to be. Our confidence comes from him. And, and one of the things we always want to do on Go Team Sunday is we, we do, we, we want to unveil what we're doing this summer and what God is calling us as far as when we, when we step out cross-culturally. But we also, also want this to always be a time where we talk about for each of us, how does this message apply to where God has placed us now? So I'm just going to put this up on the screen, and, and Troy's going to talk us through three ways that we apply this passage in us being ambassadors. And the first one, once again, is for all of us. It is the idea of the personal evangelism with where God has placed us. Yeah, I just think about each one of us has spheres of influence, that you connect with certain people that no one else does. You have access to, to certain people. I, I think of the personal opportunities you might have at the grocery store. If you go back to the same time, same day, a lot of times you'll see the same people. Are, are you... Are you able to make conversation with them? Engage them? What about at the soccer field while you're waiting for your kids or your grandkids as a plane? You have these parents who are just kind of waiting there as well and you know, engage a conversation with them. Talk about what God's doing in your life or even what you did last weekend going to church or some maybe go team. Uh, you think about our next door neighbor. Do we even know our neighbors? You know, can you engage them and, and they know where you stand? that you're available to help them when times come up because there will be opportunities. Something will happen and they're gonna be looking for some help. Uh, I think about being at the gym. You're around all these people. Everyone has the earbuds in. Take out the earbuds. See if you can engage. Maybe ask a question, how, maybe a technique, you know, that, hey, how can I um, uh, in, you know, work my abs better? And they show you. Then you can kind of engage them in a conversation. But I think about particularly coworkers. Mm-hmm. You might think, I'm in a dark place where I work. Man, I wish I wasn't there. No. I believe it's a dark place so that your light for Jesus can shine even brighter. You don't take a flashlight out to the noonday sun. This is where God wants to use you to engage, to love them. You think about this. Who's loving on those people? Who's engaging them? Who's praying for them? The answer is probably no one. God put us in these situations for a reason. Yeah. And we'll talk there in a few minutes. Troy's going to bring us through the GO teams. But let's talk for a minute about just the reason why these GO teams, these global outreach summer teams that we do, um, help us fulfill this mission. Yeah. Look, there's a lot of places that have a lot of needs and a lot of people need to hear Jesus. And there's a call in us to, to go to the nations. Now, I know it's not for everyone to go. So I believe either we're, we're called to go or we're part of the sending process. But we're all involved as a church. This is a call upon the church, not just a select few people. So last year, we had six different locations that we went to, and we're gonna have six again this year. 
And so last year we had 120 people. We're hoping for more. It'd be great if you had 130 or 150. Uh, we're just trusting that God would do work in us. There's something that God does in us, opens our eyes to the big picture. It helps us realign our priorities. But there's also work we get to come alongside maybe these missionaries or churches that are starting. They just, it gives them a boost. So it's really a win-win. We get to be used. God does work in us, but also God does work in these places. Yeah. And, and finally, something that, that we want to talk about and want to become a part of the conversation with our church family is just the idea that God is calling us as a church family not only to be part of sending people away for a week or 10 days, but a part of sending people out for long-term cross-cultural work, which is something that, that we, we really, we look back at our history as a church and say, we haven't really championed this in the way that we would want to. And this is something that we want to begin to talk about more. Yeah, so we would love to send some people long-term out of the mission field. We do the go team thing really well. A lot of people go out. But you know, fulfilling the great commission of making disciples of all nations, it's just not gonna happen through the go teams. Uh, the go teams are a boost, but in order to really win people over and win communities over, it takes someone on the ground, it takes boots on the ground. I mean, it just makes sense, right? To win a war, you can only do so much from a distance. You gotta get on the ground. Jesus came in person. I call it, we need to have incarnate ministries where you come and you dwell among them. And so if, if God is placing on your heart, even if you're like, I have this crazy inclination, I have this crazy thought, we'd love to talk to you about that and, and pray about that and walk you through a process of seeing if this is what God would have for your life and help send you out. We'd love to be able to send some missionaries out on a regular basis out into the world. Yeah, and, and just to add to that real quick, that there may be some of you that are at a stage of life right now where this really makes sense. And, and you're saying, all right, I'm kind of making decisions about what my life is going to look like and all this. I like, I, I should think about this. Um, and you should. But I, I just also want to throw out there, maybe some of you that, that think, well, you know, I guess back then I would have had a chance to do this. Um, just remember, Abraham was 75 years old when God called him to go to a new country. Moses was 80 years old when God called him to go to Egypt. You are not past your powerful usefulness to the God of the universe. Don't write this off no matter what stage of life you're at. Um, but now let's take some, let, let's go back. Let's talk about where we are going this year as part of the GO teams. Okay, so in a couple of weeks, we have a team going back to Kenya and they're actually gonna be doing a construction project for the Kibropes who we support. And so they have a four room day clinic. Now it's going to a 30 plus bedroom hospital. It's gonna radically impact this community, but it's not just uh, to help meet people's physical needs, but also spiritual. Uh, they are bold in sharing Christ with those that come to their clinics. And so our team, headed by Noel right here, uh, they're gonna do some finished work on this project with the construction. Also, some of the women are gonna do some um, home visits for medical. And so uh, this team is launching in a couple of weeks. We'll be praying for them. Also, we have the Baja trip. So this is something we've been doing for years. Uh, we take a big crew, uh, actually build three homes. Last year, the homes were burned down for these families that received these homes. And there's something so sweet about the team uh, putting their hand in paint and putting their handprints on the doors and handing the keys over and there's tears. But yet they also went door to door and were inviting people um, to where their work site was and they did a little camp and they shared Christ with the people that were there. It was really great. So you kind of have both going on. They have something for everyone. Even if you're not a total construction person, this is a great entry level trip. 
Uh, also, we have Honduras. So our youth are particularly going on that. We're going to go back to this orphanage that has 500 kids in it. I mean, it's huge. It's, it's basically a city. It's a big operation. We go and basically do things on a personal level that the staff just can't do. That could be just holding babies or playing with the toddlers, uh, doing games with the older kids. And so we're able to just bring a connection and love and relationship that they couldn't do on a normal basis. Plus, we just do some practical things. You do some construction. You do some um, kitchen help. You name it. Then we have Rosarito. This is new for us. Uh, going to Rosarito, this is a family trip where your whole family can come, ages eight and above. And so we do a variety of things. There's a, a church been established in the dumps, actual physical dump, uh, and go and bring food to them and encourage the church and to do outreach there. We go to an elderly home, we go to an orphanage, we do some construction. So a little bit of something for everyone. And so that's a great, also, I believe, an entry-level trip for whole families to go. Really, it could be couples, it could be singles, whatever. Um, then we have El Salvador. So we're working with Living Water, which if you've been here for a while, you know that we would do these water trips. And so we're putting in the well fresh water for this community in El Salvador. And so a lot of times they'll walk a couple hours to be able to get water. And it's not even good water. A lot of times it's contaminated, it causes more sickness. So we get to help in practical level. And we also do some hygiene training and vacation Bible school stuff also. We have a team going to Thailand, so I was a part of that last year. Going to basically build upon what we did last year, do some medical outreach, um, be able to go into a jail, and uh, particularly for youth. Uh, there's other works we're going to be able to do, work with a school there. And so uh, God has opened the doors for these six different opportunities. Yeah, and, and you get to hear, and, and as Troy already said, um, there are going to be some of you that are part of these teams, but in a greater way, we are all part of these teams. This is where God has called us as a church to go this year, and we're excited to be a part of it. And, and just, uh, we do want to ask, in a minute, um, the band is going to come out and, and play a song for us that's really going to remind us of the call that we all have been given and that we all are a part of. And as they're playing this song for us, here's what I want to invite you to consider. I want to invite you, first of all, to consider just what Troy has brought us through, Maybe one of these trips really connected and you said, I, I think that sounds like that's what God's been calling me to be a part of. Um, maybe none of them did, but before writing it off, you need to take some time just to pray about, God, are you calling me out of my comfort zone in some way? And beyond that, I want us all, as we listen to this song and are reminded of the calling that we've been given to be ambassadors, I want us just to take in the question, God, how are you calling me to step out of my comfort zone? to cross barriers in order to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. So let me just say a quick prayer for us as we get ready to do this. Mm-hmm. Father, we lift up this time to you. You've planned things before the world was even created. So we trust that you have been at work and are at work. Thank you for giving us the privilege of being a part of what you are doing in this world. And we pray that you lead us as a church family and us as individuals to represent you well and in powerful ways that show the reconciliation that Jesus has brought. Father, lead us out. Speak to us now by the power of your spirit in what new things you're doing in us and what new things you will do through us. In Jesus' name, amen.